Good morning, friends, and welcome to our first Sunday service of 2021. Let's hope that this year is a vast improvement over the trials and turbulations of the past year. Even if outwardly it doesn't change all that much, inwardly it will offer us increasingly new and wonderful ways to improve and to grow closer to God. I'll read the first reading of the year from Rays of the One Light. These are weekly commentaries on the Bible and Bhagavad Gita inspired by Paramahansa Yogananda, written by Swami Kriyananda. Truth is one and eternal. Realize oneness with it in your deathless self within. The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. In the Gospel of St. John, chapter 1, these immortal lines appear. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in the darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. Human vision beholds individuality and separation everywhere. Divine vision beholds the oneness of cosmic vibration, of which all things no matter how diverse are manifestations. Cosmic sound, the word of God, and cosmic light, these are eternal. The world as revealed to our senses is illusory. In Autobiography of a Yogi, Paramahansa Yogananda relates an earthly experience he received of the divine aspect of reality. Sitting on my bed one morning, I fell into deep reverie. What is behind the darkness of closed eyes? This probing thought came powerfully into my mind. An immense flash of light at once manifested to my inner gaze. Divine shapes of saints sitting in meditation posture in mountain caves formed like miniature cinema pictures on the large screen of radiance within my forehead. Who are you? I spoke aloud. We are the Himalayan yogis. The celestial response is difficult to describe. My heart was thrilled. Ah, I long to go to the Himalayas and become like you. The vision vanished but the silvery beams expanded in ever-widening circles to infinity. What is this wondrous glow? I am Ishwara. I am light. The voice was as murmuring clouds. I want to be one with thee. Out of the slow dwindling of my divine ecstasy, I salvaged a permanent legacy of inspiration to seek God. Wise are we 
if we meditate on that experience of Yogananda's and salvage from it even a breath of his inspiration. For quite simply, there is nothing else. As the Bhagavad Gita says in the seventh chapter, I make and unmake universe, this universe. Apart from me, nothing exists. O Arjuna, all things like the beads of a necklace are strung together on the thread of my consciousness and are sustained by me. Thus through Holy Scripture, God has spoken to mankind. Oh. everyone and I too want to welcome you to our Sunday service and to wish each of you a very blessed year and my prayer for all of us who are a part of the great Ananda family worldwide is that this year there can be an ever-deepening awakening in God an ever-deepening awareness of Master's presence in our lives, moment by moment. I want to also thank you who have been joining us online for these months of the pandemic, the lockdown and isolation. And perhaps, and I think it's not beyond the realm of possibility, that during this year we'll be able to gather in person once more in our temples, our centers throughout the world. And if you are not near a physical center, then please know you are always, always welcome to join us online. And we're so happy to be able to be with you in this way. So I'd like to start, usually we read from Whispers from Eternity, but uh, there's a poem that is always so dear to my heart, especially at the beginning of the year. This is from Master's Songs of the Soul. And it's called The Garden of the New Year. The echoes of last year, its sorrow and laughter have died away. The song voice of the new year, encouraging, hope imparting, is chanting, Refashion life ideally. Abandon the weeds from the forsaken garden of the past. Garner only seeds of joys and achievements, hopes, good actions and thoughts, all noble desires. So in the fresh soil of each new day, these valiant seeds water and tend them until your life is fragrant with rare flowering qualities. The new year whispers, awaken your habit-dulled spirit to zestful new effort. Rest not till eternal freedom is won and ever-pursuing karma is outwitted. With joy enlivened, unendingly united mind, let us all dance forward, hand in hand, 
to reach the Halsican home whence we shall wander no more. Well, fortunately, Master's right there with us, giving us the energy and the insight to accomplish this. And it's such a, the reading we had this morning from Rays of the One Light, such a wonderful way to begin the new year because really each new year, it's like a new season. God uh, creates these four beautiful seasons. They have a spring with its beautiful flowers and little grasses coming and the new little birds being born and singing. And then it ends and emerges into summer with its garnering beautiful rich gardens and uh, robust activity in the warmth of the summer. And then that ends and we come to autumn and there's the harvest season and the time for more inward withdrawal. And then of course winter where everything is at rest. Things have had gone through their life cycle and but the seeds of the next year, of the next garden of the new year, have already been planted, been planted by our karma, past, long time past and immediate past, been planted by world karma. And the year that we've just gone through has been a time of difficult karma for everyone. I don't think there's a person living on the earth right now who hasn't grieved in some way for what they see ha happening in the world. But seeds have been sown. Seeds have been sown of hope and the desire to help people selflessly and to grow closer to God and to transcend self-interest and greed and divisiveness. These seeds have been sown this, in this season. And now we come to a new year, a garden of the new year, and we need to water those precious seeds that will transform us, the seeds of divine aspiration and selflessness and joy and unity with all of our brothers and sisters everywhere. And so this reading that we've, the reading, the Garden of the New Year, it fits so beautifully with the Rays reading where Swamiji is talking about everything coming from the own vibration. We're moving forward now into, it's like a, in a certain way, it's a clean slate. Of course, as we said, there's karma uh, already moving in place to form what will happen. But in this poem that we read, fashion, refashion life ideally. And it's important to think of that in terms of, okay, God, in the beginning, there was nothing. There was only the consciousness of God. And God put his consciousness into vibration. And it began to manifest as the vibration of Om, the vibration, the sound behind all other sounds, the, the vibratory presence that holds all of this, all of this manifest world, holds it into form. And the light, that's a different manifestation of the consciousness of God, a different vibration, the vibration of astral sound and light. 
And that light is what shines behind everything. Even in the darkest moments, that light is shining there. I remember once some years ago, we went to hear a man who Swami considered to be a great saint. His name was Richard Vermbrandt. And he was uh, a Christian minister during World War II. He was imprisoned by the Nazis because he was a Christian leader. Then when he lived in uh, Romania. And then when the uh, communists took over, he was imprisoned by the communists, finally released after many years in solitary confinement and um, because there was a public outcry finally. But he went on a lecture tour and we went to hear him speak. He was an old man by that time, but radiant. And he spoke of his time in the communist prison camp in solitary confinement and they kept them not only isolated, but in total darkness and total silence. They, brought, they slit their meals under a slot in the door once, once a day, or I don't remember, maybe it was for three times a day. But they, the, even the guards, I mean, how cruel. They wore padded shoes, so there was no sound and no light. And he lived that way for years. But when you saw him, this man was radiant. And he said, and you could feel with the full conviction of his soul, there is a beautiful light that you can see in the darkness. And there's a wondrous sound that you can hear in the silence. And he was hearing the Om, and he was seeing the inner light. And even in the darkest moments, we can return, if we go within, we can find that presence within us. And so God created all of this, the light and the darkness of the outer world, and the suffering and the joy and the disease and the health and the wise and the foolish, all of them, all manifested out of the vibration of his consciousness through Om and light. And it is our job then to try to discover that within us because with our physical senses, we hear the sounds of the world. And with our physical eyes, we see the light of the world. And it's re so through the sensory experience, the conscious mind experiences that. But if we make the effort to go within, and if we make the effort, and it is not an easy thing to do, but if we continue, con on and on regularly with commitment, we began to hear sounds not of the senses and see light not, of the, not through the eyes, not through the senses, but on a super sensory level. We hear that vibration, not with the ears, but with our being. And we see the light, not with our eyes, but with our consciousness. So we move from a sensory experience of the conscious mind to a supersensory experience of the superconscious mind. And that's when we begin to realize that we can refashion life ideally. Because there is another world that we begin to discover that isn't bound by the limitations of this world. And I remember in the movie, Probably most of you have seen it, maybe some of you haven't. It's an old 
one of the great classics, The Wizard of Oz. And when Dorothy and her little dog Toto and the Tin Woodman and the Scarecrow and the Cowardly Lion, finally they come and they're going to meet the great and powerful Oz. And there's this projection of this kind of cerebral head there and this is the great and powerful Oz. But then the little dog Toto, uh, this is at the end of the movie, he runs and there's a little curtain on the side of the room and he pulls back the curtain and there's this little man manipulating the, the image up on the screen and the little man says, uh, don't pay attention to that little man behind the curtain. Well, what this world is, it's sort of the Wizard of Oz in reverse because we see this world and it seems so grand and imposing and we feel so helpless before it. But then if we pull back the curtain, what do we see? Not a little man, but we see what's creating it all. We, we see the light, we hear the sound, and we know that that's the reality, not this world. This world tries to, with everything it's got, convince us that it's real and we need to pay homage to it. But the only way we break that hypnotism is to go within and to experience within ourselves. No, there's another world. There's a world of freedom, of light, of expansive awareness through home. And the great masters, they, they play with, these, with this, the realities, the seeming realities of this world all the time. And it, they're not limited by it. You know, there's the wonderful story that's uh, recreated in the movie uh, The Answer, in which um, Oliver Black, who was one of Master's most advanced disciples, uh, he lived in Michigan and started to work there, Song of the Morning Ranch. And Oliver Black, Mr. Black, came to uh, Mount Washington to Los Angeles to see Master. And usually Master, when visitors would come, close disciples, he would take them on a ride in his car along the beautiful California coast. And Mr. Black, Yogacharya uh, Black, was sort of expecting this, but when the day came when they were going to go, it was pouring rain, pouring rain. And one of the young monks came knocking on Mr. Black's door and said, uh, the master wants to invite you to go out for a ride in his car. And Mr. Black thought, how is this possible? It's pouring rain. It won't be much fun. And, and yet he said, well, all right, I'll be coming out right away. And he put on a raincoat and he got his umbrella and he walked out of his door. And as soon as he walked out of the door, not only did the rain stop, because that happens from time to time. We're, going out and it's raining and then the rain stops. But the sky was totally clear and the ground and the plants and the car was totally dry. There was not a drop of rain. And Mr. Black was just shocked. And Master was standing there by his car and he said, for you, Oliver. He, and the Mr. Black, as he recounted the story said, how he was able to change that reality so completely, I never could understand. But when you live in Om, when you feel that's your true reality, when you see that behind every shadow there is light, even in the worst darkness there's light, 
then you can move the the forms around, and it isn't. It's you're not limited by it. There's another beautiful story that uh, another direct disciple of Master, Dr. Lewis, tells that uh, he was he lived in Boston on the East Coast. Master was in Los Angeles, and one day Dr. Lewis decided to go out. Uh, take his sailboat out in Nantucket Bay. And he was out sailing, but all of a sudden, a big squall came up. And the waves were huge, and the wind. And he really, Dr. Lewis really felt, I'm not going to make it back. The waves were tipping over the little sailboat. He had no way of anybody finding him. And he began to pray to Master, help me, Master in Los Angeles. And at that moment, he just heard reverberating the sound of Om, and around him the squall subsided, and he was able, not easily, but successfully, to bring his little sailboat into safe harbor. And when he got home, as soon as he walked in the door, the phone rang, and you know who it was. It was our guru, and he said, you almost got wet, didn't you, doctor? And, and Dr. Lewis was just amazed. And he said, uh, yes, sir, I did. And, and Master said, remember, nothing can harm you if you stay in Om. And that's what we need to remember, no matter what lies ahead. I think we can be hopeful for a better 2021. But nevertheless, whatever may lie ahead, Nothing can harm us if we stay in the Om. And you think, well, those are very nice stories, but what, you know, I don't know that anything like that can happen in my life. Well, I'd like to share with you a little story. I've told it before, some of you know it, about how by staying in the Om, you don't change the world around you but you change inside so that the world doesn't bother you. And this story took place in 1979. Swami Kriyananda had asked Jyotish and me to move down to the San Francisco Bay Area, to San Francisco, to start an Ananda work there. And we had been living at Ananda Village for 10 years, the first 10 years of its existence. And but with reluctance, I went, I, we agreed to go, of course we said yes to Swami, but inwardly, I didn't want to live in a city. I didn't want to, I was unfamiliar with San Francisco. I didn't feel comfortable driving in big city traffic, but the, Swami asked us, so we, of course we said yes. And that first summer, Swami stayed with us and uh, he would lecture, he gave big talks, and then weekly satsangs at different churches, and a good group of people began coming, good, sincere people. And um, a solid work was being established. We found a very nice ashram house, we moved into it, and everything was on stable footing. And then Swami said, well, it's time for me to go back, to leave you, and you all are in charge. And it was a little bit scary. But we thought, well, we'll do the best we can. And then it was the last night before he left. And he said, let's celebrate. He was such a celebratory 
spirit. And he said, let's go out for a nice dinner. We went out for a nice, I believe it was Italian meal. And then he said, I'd like to go see a movie and let's see what's available. And so we went to, we looked in the paper and there, this was the time when you looked in the paper. And there was an art house, movie house, that showed classic movies. And they were showing one of Swami's favorites, Pride and Prejudice with Laurence Olivier and Gerd Garson. And so we didn't pay a lot of attention to, I mean, we got the address, but where it was located and what time we would get out. But we went and we saw, and we had to park, it was Saturday night, we had to park very far away, walk, I don't know, five or six blocks to get to the theater. We saw it, we enjoyed it so much. And then it was time to leave. And then the reality dawned. And I think Swamiji actually set up the whole experience. And we realized we were in the red light district of San Francisco. It was Saturday night, it was about 10 o'clock, 10.30 at night and we had to walk six blocks to the car. And it was like, oh my God. We went out on the street and there was everything you can imagine. It was like a little, little Hades right there and people were selling drugs and everything. And we thought, we've got to walk to the car. But then Swami, it was amazing. You could feel, and I think he did it for us. I think it was his last gift for us. He, it was like the prow of a ship. And we all, there were about 10 of us, and we all followed behind him. And we walked through those streets, through all the depravity and the sorrow and suffering. And it was like nothing could touch us. We were in Ohm. And for the remaining, and we got to the car, and it was, it was really quite, not only extraordinary in the moment, but a permanent legacy. Because from that moment on, I was never, disturbed or afraid of being in a city. I drove wherever I needed to go. And our life has been one of um, frequent travel and going to many new cities, many new places, places we weren't familiar with. But that gift that Swami gave us, I've never felt uncomfortable wherever we had to go, whether we knew people or didn't know people. And so what did Swami do there? He brought us into the Om. And he said, I can't change the world. I can't stop a squall or make the rain stop. Maybe he could, but he wasn't doing it. But I can help you realize how to live in the world, but not be touched by it if you stay in home, because that's where it all comes from. That's the origin of it all. And that brings you back into the stillness and the peace and the light of God. And so, when we look to the new year, refashioning our life ideally, remolding our life in such a way that we're getting closer to, whether consciously or not, why we incarnated in this lifetime. Why did we come? Did we come to get a good job or to make money or to be liked or popular or whatever, big success? That's not why devotees take rebirth. Devotees take rebirth because we have been on a journey. We've been on a journey to God, and we haven't yet made it yet, but we've gotten closer. And so we're picking up the strings. It, it says in the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna asks Krishna, but what if I try and I fail spiritually? Is my effort lost? 
and Arjuna, Krishna replies to Arjuna, know this, no effort is ever lost. You will pick up where you left off in the last life. And so we all have done. And that's why it's so familiar. So many people we've heard, I read autobiography and it changed my life. Why? Because we heard the soul call. We heard the own vibration and we felt the inner light that that book is permeated with. And it was the catalyst that got our feet moving back again on this journey. And it, it's so thrilling to me to talk to people from all over the world, from all walks of life, just saying, yes, when I read autobiography, when I saw Master's picture, it changed my life. And so in this coming year, let's where do we want to go spiritually and realize that don't let it be kind of wistful yearnings or vague desires of growth, but realize you have the potential. We all have the potential to mold the year that's coming to our spiritual advantage. We can't necessarily change the circumstances. We can't, by our will, make the virus go away. We can't, by our will, make politicians be honest and integritous. But we can do what we can do to bring light into the world, to bring light into ourselves, and, to don't, and not to settle for less than what we can be. There's such, Master didn't come to make, to make our lives a little bit better. He came to awaken us to the true reality of what life is and who we are. And unceasingly, don't think that effort stops, unceasingly the great masters are working on, the, on our behalf in this way. So let's do our part. Let's use this year in so many ways, the quarantine and the isolation has been a blessing because we've had to be more interiorized. We've had to be more inwardly focused. Let's use that to our advantage and to make the effort to go deeper in meditation, to try more earnestly to feel the own vibration vibrating within us and to see the light within us and then to see that light also in everything around us, in the least little drop of rain on a leaf, on the petals of a little flower emerging from the mud, in the eyes of people who have conquered lower nature, to see that light shining everywhere, and to live in that light, and to live in the Om, and to refashion our life in 2021, ideally, so that we can offer it at the feet of our Guru and say, this has been a year of great spiritual growth. God bless you.
Peace. Peace.